0: Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for complete details.
1: Welcome back to the Cover 3 Podcast with your hosts, Danny Cannell, Chip Patterson, Barton Simmons, and Tom Fernelli. It's your call for the best college football coverage from national signing day
2: to the national championship and everything in between. CBS Sports presents the Cover Three Podcast.
3: And welcome back to the Cover Three Podcast here on CBS Sports. That's Barton Simmons. That's Tom Fernelli. I'm Chip Patterson. Week 15, not quite in the books. 12 02 a.m. here on the East Coast. I guess that would be 11 02 for you all in Nashville and Chicago. We've still got our uh, our 10 o'clock Eastern time kicks out there. BYU holding a narrow lead over San Diego State uh, among ranked action. My beloved Beeves are now trailing 15-14.
1: Oh.
3: Yeah. Really? (laughs) Yeah. that's That's a recent development. Passing touchdown from Davis Mills for 48 yards, and the Cardinal are ahead early third quarter. But you didn't Long come here just Long for the, uh, the, the live blog audio form of Stanford and Oregon State. You came here because you wanted to find out what in the world it means when there's just not enough paper airplanes out there to get you the win. When there's just oh. not enough paper airplanes <laughs> out Jesus there Christ,
2: Chip.
1: <laughs>
3: to get oh,
2: you
1: man.
2: to is the is SEC go
3: championship well. game with only one <laughs> loss. Oh no, Florida! Uh, and look, and, and this would come on the weekend that I went heel on my beloved dogs. It two and six week in the locks, by the way. Just like another, just brutal, just 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 falling behind here in these late weeks. But uh, you know, went against the dogs, but got to still experience that uh, that Georgia podcast fandom. You know just sort of watching the way that things unfolded uh, there in Gainesville. So I think we got to start there because uh, a college football playoff contender, the SEC East champion, the team that will be playing Alabama in Atlanta next week, just lost to an unranked LSU team that is down most of its best players, uh, including like its best freshman who just opted out for the rest of the season. And we don't even know if he's going to be coming back for the future.
2: And and, might be a dog. In fact,
3: Might be because Marietta, Georgia, wants to be a little bit closer to home. Good point.
2: Everybody wants to be a dog.
3: So what what are we thinking about? Like, what's burning on our brains right now? Because you could, like, if Florida beats Alabama, then it gets interesting. Florida might not beat Alabama, but this was not a good loss uh, for the season, regardless of what happens next week or with the college football playoff picture.
2: Well, I mean, the first, first of all, you're two and six in the locks. Dan Mullen would say you're picking too many games, and it's not fair.
1: Ooh, <laughs>
2: <laughs> like Barton. Barton went three and two, but he only picked five games. It's not I'm fair. The State, I'm games. the Ohio State. I'm well, the Ohio State of the locks. Eight. That's <laughs> that's crap. I mean, I think that your losses should be viewed as being better than Barton's wins. That's my give him the Dan Mullen quote. What was the Dan Mullen quote? We got it. The Dan Mullen quote was, "Let's see, uh." He was asked whether Florida deserves to get into the playoff if it beats Alabama in the SEC championship next year. And he said, quote, I don't have a vote on that. I know we've played 10 games. I guess probably the best thing to do would have been to play less games. Fewer. You seem to get rewarded for not playing this year. So the talking points have been distributed. (laughs) This
1: is a tough one for Florida because they were a lot better than LSU.
2: Mm -hmm. Yeah.
1: Um, 8.2 yards per play to 4.9. I, I, t- I turned it over to the game early, and Florida was about to score, and I, I turned the channel, and I came back, and the score was still 0-0. Because it was an interception? And it was an interception. It was a turnover. No, it was a turn on downs, wasn't it? Early? The they, fir- they had... So they
2: had... Uh, a lot of stuff happened in this game. Yeah, like the first
1: <laughs> that that first, they had two interceptions and a, and a turnover on downs. Um, I think the turnover on downs was first. Yeah, first was the turnover on downs. Then they had an interception at the LSU 35. Then they had an interception at the LSU 15. I think that was the wild interception. Um, so that that was that that erased. Let's see, a hundred and. Like, basically 190 yards of offense in those three drives. is just uh, not finishing them. Um, but they, they they got rolling, and the fog started to emerge and add a little wrinkle to things. And you thought maybe they were going to pull this thing out, but I'll, I'll give LSU props, man. They, they hung around. They showed some resilience. I don't know how Dan Mullen, like –
3: I don't know where I'm at with him right now because uh, the interview going into halftime on ESPN he's like our quarterback play. We got to get better decision-making. We got to make, we're missing a lot of reads out there. Every single play missing reads. We got to get better decision-making out of our quarterback. Like Dan Mullen will, and I'm not disagreeing with his analysis, but it's just, I feel like we're at a place right now where he's really frustrated. If he's out here, you know, uh, criticizing the defense, if he's out here criticizing the quarterback play, if he's grasping at straws for this, you know, how many games have we played type scenario, I don't know, man. This it's, it's, like a, it's, it's a strange place to look at Florida because I can acknowledge that Kyle Pitts did not play in this game, and the college football playoff committee should acknowledge that Kyle Pitts did not play in this game. If you're going to say Trevor Lawrence didn't play in the loss to Notre Dame, you have to say Kyle Pitts didn't play in the loss to LSU. Trevor Lawrence, I believe, worth much more than Kyle Pitts. But still, especially when you think about the red zone and how important Pitts can be in those places, I could see at least half of the, you know, dozen, Baker's dozen committee members really just sort of, (laughs) like, talking themselves into the position they want is that Florida still deserves a place in the picture heading into SEC Championship Week. But uh, to to drop the ball here at home against LSU. It's almost like when I was in the game, it made sense. And now that I'm out of the game and just sort of look at it as like a very plain statement, it seems a lot worse because you were talking about like when I was watching the game, I just thought it was competitive. If you Mm -hmm. did not tell me anything that LSU had done to that point, I was thinking like, man, this is a pretty good LSU Florida game. It's only when that context gets put in that you're like, Oh, this is a really, really bad loss for Florida.
2: And something I I would be interested to see, and I doubt we'll get any more info on it, maybe we will, because like you said, Kyle Pitts didn't play. But there were reports from people who were there saying, you know, in pregame warmups, Kyle Pitts was going through everything and he looked fine. So I'm interested in... Was this like a medical decision by the doctor saying, no, he can't go? Or was this more of a, he's kind of banged up and eh, we should win this game easily anyway. So let's just sit him and rest him for the SEC championship game. That's what I want to know. Because if you sat him and he could have played and you lose this game, yikes. Yeah, I mean,
1: it, it's, it's, you're right, Chip. I think like as you look at this game as it's playing out, you're like, "Oh, LSU's playing hard. They're they're this is still LSU.
3: They still got talented they- players. Like you know, Keishawn Butte is still an awesome prospect. He's still going to be somebody who's going to be catching touchdowns for years at LSU."
1: Hmm. But then you you like pull the pull the lens back and you're like, "Well, this this LSU team is three and five, and they've got twenty five guys out or whatever it is, and." Uh, I mean, Florida. Just this is not championship football. This is the, this is a game Florida's got to win. And I mean, the defense has been not great all year long. And when the offense turns the ball over four times, um, then that's going to be a problem, and you're, you're going to pay for that. So, listen, we got one more playoff scenario we can engage in, I guess. Now, you know, does what happens if Florida beats Alabama? But basically, I think this is just reinforces the idea that Florida's probably not going to beat Alabama. And Florida probably isn't good enough to be in the playoffs. I think they just proved it.
2: Yeah, I, I think that's your other thing, too, because, like, let's say that there's one fewer turnover or there isn't that turnover on downs in the very first drive of the game. And instead of losing this game, 37 to 34, Florida wins this game like 41 to 37. Or it's just it's a closer game like that where it's like, man, they didn't blow them up, but they should. Nothing about that performance tonight has made me sit there and think, oh, yeah, this team has a really good shot to beat Alabama. Correct. So I feel like the loss stinks. For Florida and that it really does kind of put the nail in their coffin I think but I don't know that they really had much of a chance of getting out of it anyway Florida plays yeah, Georgia we also just what just make sure that we acknowledge the
1: shoe throw Oh yeah, you can't just leave this game without just at least acknowledging the dumbest <laughs> dumbass, moment. The dumbass moment in the history of dumb penalties. But see, like, uh, so wait—is it
3: I, a dumb penalty on the call or a dumb penalty on the action?
1: Be both the like, action. What okay. do you mean on the? Of course, you have to call that. Okay. No,
2: I know, are you going to defend?
1: Just, are you guys about to sit on this podcast? And defend a man's right to throw another man's shoe in the middle of a game, twenty yes, yards.
2: I thought this was America.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I, I think that it was important to separate
3: whether we're blaming the refs or the or the play or the action. I don't want to. I don't want to blame the player. I want to blame the action. Right? We want to punish the action, not the person. Just a but kid. Just a kid. Just a kid. So kid made a mistake. but I want to make sure that we separate those two things because there's going to be those who holler shenanigans based on the call. And I want to make sure we clarify that the action drew a penalty and the penalty was not totally unwarranted unless Tom, you've got a defense. The
2: the penalty was warranted. It was a dumb thing that Marco Wilson did. It's just, I don't want to turn this into, because there's going to be a whole lot of people blaming him. For, oh, he th- had the penalty that gave LSU the first down and then they went and kicked the game winning field goal. So he's going to be like, he's going to be the goat for this one and not the cool new goat, the, the old fashioned goat for losing the game. <laughs> and I'm just sitting there like, yeah, he he did do a really, really dumb ass thing. And his penalty did ultimately lead to LSU's game winning field goal. But you were a 23-point favorite who was in a position to do a dumbass thing at the end of the game to allow the 3-5 and five team that's missing like half of its roster to beat you. So maybe Marco Wilson, is it's not really his fault. It also took a 57-yarder
1: to win it anyways, mm-hmm. which was a hell of a kick. It's an amazing
2: kick. And, and I mean, like, I, I, I joked, I tweeted, I says, you know, you take out the fog, that thing's good from 100 yards. <laughs>
3: Mm. um okay so uh, elsewhere on my notepad of things I wanted to get to but uh, I, I'm interested in what's burning on y'all's mind we've got a lot of coaching action including Kevin Sumlin getting fired by Arizona Butch Jones getting hired at Arkansas State and much more a vote of confidence for Tom Herman at Texas bananas USC UCLA game uh, congrats on the lock fight win but boy that was a uh, that, that was quite a derby right there. Uh, UNC, record-setting fashion, 62-26 against Miami. Uh, Georgia hype is just, like, we are just planting the seeds right now. This is the time where you don't see the growth, but, like, we're really tilling the the fields. The North 40 is getting ready for the 2021 JT Daniels Georgia hype based on what we're doing right now in these wins against Missouri. I mean, it is. We're positive. We're feeling good. We, we, we smell blood in the water with Florida losing. Uh, Iowa, are you the second best team in the Big Ten? Uh, Scott Satterfield, you know, he, he is coaching for the love of that fan base, and he did a great job of it. And I got a few more items here. I don't know where, where do y'all want to go. What's 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 got y'all going here on this uh, late Saturday night, early Sunday morning?
2: See, I I don't know because I I kind of want to talk about all of it because I this was far and away my favorite Saturday of the season so far. Wow! Just absolutely the most most enjoyable day of college football for me personally. I all season long, just with the weather. Like, you know, the crazy fog in Army-Navy, the Service Academy game, like snow everywhere, really high winds, just really stupid like December football. And then good, close, fun games to finish tonight that were also kind of stupid. The LSU-Florida game, the USC-UCLA game was stupid. really fun. It was just, from start to finish, it was just a great day of college football to me. It's the most fun I've had all season. Wow.
1: There weren't really good games until the evening, though.
3: No, no. Utah Colorado was a good game. Utah yeah. won it, but like that—that that was a really really fun game for a, a while, for sure.
1: Yeah. Oh, there was also the Ball State Western Michigan finish. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I mean, I, I I'm I'm always interested in the coaching stuff. Um, so that that's caught my attention for sure. But I can go anywhere. Is just, just point point me point me in the direction, Coach?
3: Okay. (laughs) Um, USC wins against UCLA. The million-dollar meal table shows up. I mean, we're winning like banging at the goal line, figuring out ways to get these touchdowns. But if you leave Keaton Slovis too much time, and if you give Gary Bryant, what, like a nearly 50-yard return on the the kick – then yeah, you're you're gonna end up potentially losing that thing. I just I come out of that game. It was so funny because they announced that before the game was over that USC had won the Pac-12 South. Congratulations! Yeah. <laughs> like USC was not scheduled to play Colorado. Colorado lost, and the and they were like, mm, yeah, yeah, USC, you're good. And then poor Oregon Ducks out here. Their game against Washington gets canceled. And then all of a sudden the Pac-12 is like, we like Washington better. Okay. (laughs) Washington, you're going to the uh, Pac-12 championship game. So we've got, you know, USC and Washington now for the Pac-12 championship. That's so exciting. But this was uh, a game where I felt like uh, the Trojans – like, the inconsistencies that we've seen through the year were played out within the game, and I think that UCLA's strengths also were fantastic, but it there was a, a little bit of Chip Kelly trying to be smartest guy in the room that spun the other way, right? Like, isn't that ultimately what allowed USC to hang in there? Some of these fourth down tries, some of these, like, we're just going to rush to the line of scrimmage and see if we can catch you off guard, even on this, like, outside zone play. I just... Uh, I kind of felt like letting that one get away is going to be disappointing for the Bruins.
2: Yeah, I mean, they were over three on fourth down going for it. And that did end up hurting him. I just I, I, I think there is some degree of trying to be too smart there. But at the same time, I, I don't mind errors of aggression if if you're trying to win this game or trying to win a rivalry game or trying to you know make a statement about where your team is and where your program is after a lot of you know skepticism about what was what was working in the program or not. So I'm not gonna hold it against Chip Kelly. I just think that in the fourth quarter USC has a lot of players and those players made plays and it got them back in the game and they won the game. But I think you missed one of the key things about the Pac-12 though, Chip, in that the Pac-12 still while doing that, by announcing the title game could not resist from being the pac 12 a step further in that their alone undefeated team remaining usc will now have to play in the pac 12 championship next week on a short week against a team coming off a bye <laughs> they always do the what's Pac-12 worse to for
3: themselves yeah. yeah every conference <laughs> is selfish and does what's best for themselves, except for the Pac twelve, which does what's worse worse for itself at every single turn. They can't help it. It is just the way that they do it.
1: Um yes. I I, I will give USC some credit here though. I know it's it's tempting to you know pile on clay and uh, sort of talk about the ways chip let it slip away for UCLA. But I i mean, how did USC ultimately win that game? They won it by... They won it in the third Keaton quarter. Keaton, in the mm. third quarter, Keaton Slovis heated up. Like
3: they got yeah. in a rhythm and like the we, we know that that's the way that, that offense works. Like you get out there, you start completing a couple passes in a row, you start to loosen up the defense, start to move
1: a little bit. Like, yeah, they they won that game with the way that they played on those their like, second guys. or third and and yeah. Tyler Vaughn's and Gary Bryant Jr like you mentioned and Amin Ross St. Brown and and uh, Drake London like those guys are really good and they made some big plays along the way and um Talano Hufanga made a play early in the game that should have been a pick six uh, if someone hadn't made a stupid block um i mean they the reason they're good is they have good players and they're good players made some good plays and they won the game. They got better players than us UCLA right now. Agree. Yeah,
2: that, that Drake Logan there, the Drake London touchdown, the first one that USC scored was just like dumb. <laughs> like it was both, it was like the combination of incredible talent and, and just a lot of stupid into a perfect little mix of like, Oh my God, that was a fun play to watch.
3: So did y'all check out of uh, UNC Miami early? Like once you realized what had happened,
1: yeah, I never, I never really dialed in. It never even got. It was so out of hand so early that I never even took the time.
2: Yeah, like I was, I was live blogging Army Navy for most of that game, but like I had it on the iPad and I just saw it and it was like really quickly twenty-one to nothing, right? And I was just like, yeah, okay.
3: (laughs) It was twenty. It was seven to three midway through the first quarter, and and then twenty-one to
2: three.
3: Really, really quickly. Including it was like uh, fourteen to three after a touchdown. ensuing possession, Chaz Surratt forces a fumble, and on the very next play, Michael Carter rips off a sixty five yard touchdown run. I mean, they were gashing them. There was so much space. Uh, and you you all have seen the headline, right? It is five hundred and forty four combined yards between two players, Javante Williams and Michael Carter. For five rushing touchdowns. That is the FBS record for rushing yards between two players in a single game, breaking I'm sorry, Barton, Jarrett Patterson, and whoever backs up Jarrett Patterson <laughs> in <laughs> Buffalo Kent State earlier this year. So the more balanced, like 308, I think, for Michael Carter and you know, two whatever for Javante Williams ends up breaking Jared Patterson all of the yards and Jared Patterson's backup less of the yards against Kent State but the like the fact that North Carolina wanted to run it up and the fact that they stayed really aggressive they were running trick plays late Sam Howell had passing rushing and receiving touchdown they got out there and just sort of like I think that it was a statement for a program that has not beaten a top 10 team since 2004. And I think that it was kind of the like recruiting angle in mind too. Yeah. We're going to go to Miami. We're going to beat a top 10 Miami. We're going to run it up. I think it was a, it was a win that this team needed after those very, very disappointing losses to Florida state and Virginia.
2: Let's let's go back in time. Years 2013, BYU is running all over Texas. BYU rushes for 550 yards against the Texas defense, led by Manny Diaz. The next day, Texas coach Mack Brown fires, <laughs> Manny Diaz. relieves Manny Diaz of his job. Seven years later, Mack Brown's North Carolina Tar Heels rush for 554 yards. On Manny Diaz's Miami defense. <laughs> Time's a flat circle.
3: This is two years in a row that uh, that Max gotten Manny too. Because mm-hmm. last year definitely shouldn't have beaten him. But Sam Howell pulls a fourth and 17 out of his keister. And they end up going on to win that game 28-25. to 25. And now they go and they put a 60-burger up at Hard Rock Stadium.
1: Gracious. I mean, Miami, this, this is stupid. They, they waited till the last, very last minute to pull the Miami. Like they, all season, even, even up to this weekend before the game, we were like, you know what? We've been underselling Miami. We're not giving them enough credit. We're, we've got this subconscious bias that they're going to blow it. And we're not giving enough credit. Their only loss is to Clemson. They're 10th in the country. They're eight and one. This is a good football team. And then North Carolina just goes <laughs> records on them. <laughs> like it's, and that was the that was the game ever we'd been waiting. I mean, it wasn't, I don't know if we were waiting for that. But I but mean we were waiting for a letdown.
3: 19 13 against UVA earlier. Like the pit game was 31 19 and a little bit dicey. Uh, it was 44 41 against NC State. They kind of been playing with fire.
2: But here's the thing, though. Like nobody was watching those games, right? And that it's so perfectly Miami in that they played two games this year, which were spotlight games that a lot of the country was tuning into. It was the Clemson game; they got housed, and then today this was like the only game besides uh the this, yeah this is like really the only game between ranked teams today, right? But no, wait, Missouri, Georgia. I forgot Missouri's twenty-five. <laughs> so like, this is like the afternoon spotlight game on ABC between two top twenty teams. So like. Any kind of casual fan is tuning in, and they're seeing it like, "Hey, look, man, Miami's nine and one this year. Hey, that's pretty decent." And then they watch him give up sixty to freaking North Carolina, and it's like, it's just so Miami that in the spotlight games they're getting their butt kicked.
1: I mean, I think, I think, he's think... good look on is uh, Notre Dame, especially that Notre Dame defense. Oh yeah, I, I mean, mean, they mean... shut out North Carolina in the second half, and the North Carolina just did that to a Miami team that was supposed to have a good defense. Good look
3: I, I thought that uh, it's a bad look for Miami's offensive line and Derek King because North Carolina's defense is kind of feasting on them throughout most of the game, and that's not
2: not a good defense.
3: <laughs> listen, they are challenged in some specific areas, including <laughs> heights and weights, but boy, they play hard. We got former quarterbacks playing linebacker out there, okay, bud. We try it's you, hard.
2: That's all you can ask for. Play hard.
3: Yeah. We, we got Tamon and Tamari Fox. We got Chaz Surratt. Just a bunch of athletes out there trying to make. Tony Grimes, I think he had an interception today. Did he? Good for him. Young, young buck. Either, it was either an interception or a sack. He had his first career something today. Could, could be a senior in <laughs> Put high school. It on a
2: black first career <laughs> something
3: <laughs> it was worth a it was worth a tweet from the North Carolina official Twitter account that's about all I know uh, it
2: was an interception
3: it was an interception congratulations to Tony Grimes you would uh, probably be playing I guess you would have already wrapped up the Virginia high school playoffs at this point right
2: maybe I don't know I don't know what the high school schedules looked like this year
3: in Virginia well they didn't, they canceled the season. That's why he reclassified. He
2: oh. Yeah, yeah. Yeah.
3: So, he's he's out here picking off uh Derrick King in a top 10 Miami team instead of play, being in high school right now. You do you, Tony Grimes. All right. Coming up on the other side, we started to dig into some of that coaching news and what do we think about Louisville's result? Iowa, Nebraska, Coastal Carolina, Colorado turning into a pumpkin, and Army at 8-2. Is this one of the top 25 teams in the country? We'll get into that and more next.
0: The perfect combination of versatile athleisure and training apparel has arrived.
4: Get IXL now, and listeners can get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when they sign up today at IXL.com slash audio. Visit IXL.com slash audio to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price.
3: So uh, 70 to 7 is the result that ends up getting Kevin Sumlin fired as Arizona's head coach. Yikes. Uh, Arizona's open... Steve Sarkisian?
2: No, I think uh what's his name from San Jose State makes the most sense. Brennan. Brennan? Yeah, former he I think he was a GA at Arizona and he's from the uh what's the old Arizona coach's name? I can't remember the best Arizona coach of all time. Anyway, he's from his coach, he's like he's he's one of his proteges. I think he makes a lot of sense for San Jose State. You know, they're going to win. They're going to be coming off a Mountain West title. I think Sark does make sense. It's just, I feel like if I'm Steve Sarkisian, I can get a better job if I just hang around a little bit. And because I don't think Arizona is a great gig.
1: What would be a what would be a, like a Sarkisian job? That's a good job. That's better than Arizona. I
3: th- South Carolina. I think he
2: could get an SEC job. What did you say, Chip? North Carolina, South Carolina. Well, no, well, but Shane he's not going to be there for the next right. Years. But I
3: was up, a- <clears throat> um, Tennessee. Huh.
2: I think Tennessee is a better job than Arizona. I just, I feel like he could do better than Tennessee too. I just, if he keeps in Alabama for another season, and they keep you know, being Alabama and they're putting up a billion points a game. I think that like the next big job, I mean, like there was already talk of him being a candidate for Texas. I don't know how legit that was. And I don't know if that would work, but that's the kind of job he's getting mentioned for just being Alabama's offensive coordinator. So
3: do you believe that Texas is for real steady? Because there were two different ways, like, The headline was Chris Del Conte has committed to Tom Herman for 2021, but the statement didn't say that.
1: What did the statement say?
3: Tom Herman is our head coach.
1: Yeah.
2: it's more a vote of confidence than anything.
1: I think that was, I think, I mean, he is their head coach for next year. I I think that was, I think it's semantics. I think. I don't, I think he was just the, the statement was just sort of saying what is necessary and without going overboard and saying we are not firing him. You know, it's just like, well, he's our, he's our coach.
2: We, we, we support him. Why are you even asking? Yeah, right, right. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I think he's safe too, because Urban's clearly said no. And I feel like they were probably at a position where if Urban says yes, all right, we're going to gonna we're gonna go through with this. We're going to pay all this money to bring in Urban, because if you're going to have to pay the amount of money that you're going to have to send Tom packing and to send his assistance packing in all likelihood, you want to have a sure thing. You don't want to do it for Sark. You know what I mean? So, I do think that now that Urban Meyer has said no, that Tom's definitely going to get another season. Whether he gets through it, it's
3: a tough spot for Tom Herman to go into next season. And, like, I can point out individual players that I'd be really excited about as a Texas fan, but I can't look at this season and think that as a whole, they're right there. They're on the cusp of something.
1: But it, but he it, he's painted himself into this corner though because and I'm not even saying based on his results, but like if you're heading into next year it'll be year five, right, yeah, if, if you're heading into year five and you're worried about like your roster and you're worried about like if you have the you know the right guys, that's on you like you're there there has to be better player development, and uh so. If if you're worried that you guys aren't you know that the, the returning guys are not what you want them to be, then better get them there. Um, but I think Arizona is an interesting job because I don't really know. Who I got the, the the names being tossed around for Arizona are interesting. Like I'm seeing Ryan Nielsen, the um, Saints defensive line coach that coached um, the that Bella's really good NC state defense lineman a few years back. <clears throat> um, Rick Neuheisel, Jim Mora, Brent Brennan, Jay, Jay Norvell, like just, it's a, there are some interesting names, but it's hard to know exactly who the home run hire is in that spot.
3: Sounds like a bunch of Scott Satterfield's interviewing interviewing for South Carolina.
1: What,
2: what about Ken Yamatololo? Yeah, I mean, they they should have hired him last time. Khalil Tate ruined it. Khalil Tate's not there anymore. There's there's nobody standing in the way.
1: <laughs>
2: now he's gonna run that triple
1: option with Grant Gunnell.
3: Yeah. I don't think that'll work. I don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, do you think that Gus Malzahn is fired?
1: It's funny. Like, I think like I think if had he lost, he would have been fired. And I there, wonder there's
3: no way that like beating Mississippi state in an ugly fashion. Right. It's
1: just gross enough that they're just, you know what? Like you Hey, enjoy your post game dancing in the locker room. Gus, you're still fired. Cause that was gross.
3: Yeah. Um, I, I think that if, if that was the, the murmuring going into the game, there was not a result that was going to do th- it because even if he won convincingly, then it's yeah, but it was against Mississippi state. Right, they're six and four. Six and four looks worse than if you go eight and four. (laughs) He's missing non-conference games. We thought that the pandemic would lead to less coaching changes, and it's possible that the loss of non-conference games from the schedule is really, really hurting the way that these coaches are being viewed by their
2: fans. I mean, maybe he gets fired tomorrow. Maybe maybe the axe falls. It's just for me. This After
3: 2.15 p.m., please.
2: <laughs> this is just like the boy who cried wolf with me. Like when it comes to Auburn and Gus Malzahn being fired, I've heard it too many times that until he is fired, I just kind of like, yeah, okay, sure. Yeah, he's he's going to get fired if he loses this game. Okay, yeah. Uh-huh. This is like the 19th year in a row. Somebody's told me that going into an Auburn game and he hasn't been fired yet. So maybe he will be. It's Auburn. Who the hell knows? But I've just kind of like rolled my eyes at it now.
1: I mean, he would probably be 9-3 and three in a typical year.
2: Yeah. I mean,
1: let, let, let my man live. He's a top 25 coach. Let my guy live. If he's not fired,
3: given the way that things seem to be pushing right now, then I'm going to be really frustrated. Then he really is a cockroach. Of the like, <laughs> uh, he's the Twinkie and the cockroach of the coaching carousel. If he can get through this, because
1: it's it's he seeming through this this year. You think he's that? You think he's that far out on the ledge, out on the plank? I don't know, man. I, I just feels like this feels like to me. I looked up and like, oh, but Gus Malzahn's on the hot. Like people are talking about firing Gus on. It almost feels like there was a coach fire and party going on and Auburn was like, Whoa, 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 wait, wait a minute. But Gus, Gus is the part Gus is the, the fired coach party guy. Like you gotta have him in the party, like get him to get this guy doing a keg stand. And and, (laughs) like, but no one wanted, like Gus didn't need to be there. Like the party was fine without him. We're good. So I don't really understand why Gus is really like on the hot seat right now.
2: Auburn fans they just, just like firing trees. coaches. <laughs> they just beat Alabama last
1: year. They just beat Alabama. Why are we talking about this? Because but Hugh Freeze, Hugh Alabama Freeze too, has all, these, yeah. <laughs> Hugh Freeze has all this him. time.
3: I mean, he's got to be in quarantine. Hugh Freeze has got to be in isolation. You know, <laughs> he's he's got that Zoom camera ready to roll. <laughs>
2: I'm just picturing Hugh Freeze on Zoom in a hospital bed interviewing with Auburn. That is true. I, yeah. forgot,
1: I forgot he got he got COVID. So he's on that COVID interview tour, right? Yes. Now. And
2: Get better, coach. That's why Seriously. Gus Malzahn
3: is on the hot seat. Yeah. Like, Gus Malzahn would not be on the hot seat if Hugh Freeze wasn't available.
2: I, I 100% agree. And that's why I don't know whether to buy it. Is this just somebody floating it because they want them to make the move or does somebody at Auburn who actually will have the power to make the move feels like they need to make the move I don't know it, it's that you can never tell with Auburn there's it's crazy
1: hey is uh is the air raid offense the worst offense of all time is it just like can they just not score in it is it not what how this thing has gone from setting the single game SEC passing mark in week one to just you look up and even in that Mississippi game tonight, it looked like the only time like all they were do the only thing that they could get was like the occasional mess route, the occasional sort of underneath option from the slot that they, they could get a little catch and run, maybe get a five yard catch, turn into turn into twelve. They get a couple quarterback scrambles. Like there's just it just and I I mean obviously I I was saying that tongue-in-cheek is the area of offense, the worst offense of all time, because we've seen it work. But this Mississippi State team, obviously this is year one, but it's just so so bizarre to watch this team play. It just feels hopeless that they're going to actually mount enough explosive plays to actually generate any
2: points. Yeah, it's, I mean, there's a lot of square pegs and round holes for what, Mike Leach typically looks for with players in his offense, but at the same time, like if if you go through Leach's history, like if you look at his first season at Texas Tech, they went seven and six, but that was a team that was you know kind of already had a very similar style of players and what they were looking for. So you can't really judge it on that. But you saw his first year at Washington State, three and nine, came in kind of running a different thing than what they were used to. Although they were more of a, a run and shootish. I don't know if that's the right way to phrase what that Washington State offense was. It wasn't that different than what Mike Leach is running, but it, there was the adjustment period. So I'm not I'm not going to say that it's not going to be fine next year, but it's pretty clear when you watch this current iteration of Mississippi State, even after the purge, that there's just, it. like I said, it's a lot of square pegs and round holes.
3: It's not dead. That's just not an impressive group of wide receivers. We just, we propped them up after the LSU game because that was an incredible performance. 623 passing yards. That's, that's a, that's very, very impressive. But over time, you're like, "Mm, I mean, we don't need to guard them that tight. We can kind of bracket them. We can, we can play these zones. We we feel confident enough in our linebackers and our safeties and our cornerbacks that we can get some hands and some bodies in there. We don't think that they're that good at the quarterback position.
2: And and I do think like a healthy, bought-in Kylan Hill would make a huge difference because we've seen with Mike Leach offenses in the past, but he doesn't have a great receiver core. He's not afraid to just throw the ball to his running back 20 times a game either. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And I think if he had him on that offense this year, I don't think they'd be good or anything. I just think that it would probably make things run a little smoother.
1: Do you feel satisfied? I mean, I didn't, I didn't actually think it was the worst offense of all time. I just was, I, I, I was just bringing up the point that like, it feels very futile to watch them try to score.
3: Oh, it's Mississippi State though. There's such a talent deficit when they're going up against Auburn,
1: you know? No,
2: and the putt-putt no. offense.
1: <laughs> the putt-putt like, offense. That that Auburn offense wasn't great today. No Auburn, Auburn offense
2: was Auburn's not good. great.
3: Um Dog's offense looked really good.
2: Tried to tell you guys you <sighs> No, no, Missouri. It's early start. Going to be sleepy. Yeah, mm-hmm. sure. Could have been. Sleepy. Okay. Mm-hmm. Hey, I, I, I'll stay. I, I didn't lock it up. <laughs> I did, and I'll stand by it, but. Missouri had 200 yards, boys. <laughs>
1: <laughs> did they, did uh, Baselak get knocked out of the game?
2: Cause uh, all, for, a, yeah. for a little bit. He came so back, he went, he came quick, back in. Yeah, all he right. came back pretty quick, but uh, they just. They couldn't do anything on offense. Like Georgia's defense played like Georgia's defense kind of suffocated them. Well, and
1: Georgia's offense I guess played, and, you know, mm-hmm. they played JT Daniels ball.
2: Yeah. Just chucking the ball down the field. Next year's Heisman front runner. That's Maybe. it. I mean cuz the, the
3: Flyers ready. The talking point right now is if JT Daniels had played against Florida, Georgia would have won.
2: You know it's going to be ironic. Is that we're probably going to go into next year with JT Daniels and Kadan Slovis being talked about as the top, you know, two quarterbacks in the next year's NFL draft?
3: Oh yeah,
1: and they were teammates. Mm-hmm. Do you mm-hmm. think that? Do you, do you think that though that those two will be the top two quarterbacks next year? I
2: think I think Daniels will definitely be in that conversation, and I think Slovis could play his way into the conversation. I don't think he's there right now, but I. I, I think that, yeah, they're going to be two of the better far as NFL draft hype goes, they'll, they'll be up there.
3: All right. So, um, did y'all get to watch much of Louisville, Wake Forest?
2: Nah, I watch. I mean, I was watching Illinois Northwestern mostly, but I did have an eye on it. Yes. S-
3: sat coached his ass off. We're talking fake field goals. We're talking sky kicks for on sides to be able to create the muffs. We all kinds of trick plays left and right. Perfect scripts coming out on offense. I mean, the the guy was just dialed in. Him and Malik Cunningham. They they had figured everything out, and uh, and that was impressive. I, you know, it I remember when.
1: I <clears throat> you know, remember when Kobe had his affair. Yeah, that's what and, I was about to say. <laughs> <laughs> and, and then when he R. I. P. Sort of came back, <laughs> yeah, RIP, but then he came back into the, you know, like he had the press conference or whatever with his wife, and his wife was rocking a big-ass ring. At, that Wake Forest win was that big-ass ring that stabbed Sanfield his hand. He's, so, like say, he's, 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 he's handed
2: it out to those fans. All those plays were every day a new bouquet of flowers. <laughs> <laughs>
3: He was like, I I understand that we're down all these players. We're gonna we're gonna dump it all out, man. We're we're gonna win this game. We're gonna look good doing it. And look, like credit to Scott Satterfield and that Louisville staff. The players were having fun. They were doing the like team photos in the end zone. They were jumping up and down on the sideline. Like it it seemed as though they were very much enjoying. Uh, being able to get a good win together, you know, for all the all the down that we were. Well, I mean, what was that? Was was that on Monday? Are we less than a yeah. week separated from those is Scott Satterfield gonna lose his job? I mean, that is the outrageous question, but that's just because I need to test the limits for us to be able to engage in the thought experiment. But like we went from man, Scott Satterfield just really screwed up to being like, ooh, Scott Satterfield just, pff, he just, he, he got a nice new car for Christmas. <laughs>
2: like, yeah, And, and, and two, because I thought like that game was about to spiral out of control for them quick. Because like Wake got the ball to start the game. They punted. Then on Louisville's first possession, they went to punt, but there was like a problem with the snap. Mm -hmm. So the punter muffed the snap and then he dropped the ball, picks it up and just tried to head to run for the first down. But of course he had, he didn't have a prayer getting there. So he gets tackled. So they pretty much turn it over on downs inside their own like 30. So then wake forest right away, you know, turns into a touchdown and I'm sitting there thinking, Oh man, with the week that they just had with that happening and now wakes up seven to nothing, this one's done. (laughs) I was like, wake is going to roll them, and no, they, they didn't quit. They didn't give in.
3: Wake had a great first movement. Then in the second quarter, early third quarter, Louisville responds. Then Wake comes back, makes it a game again, and then the Cards end up finishing it. So there were like two significant Louisville responses there that I thought for all of our Scott Satterfield conversation that we've had here on the Cover 3 podcast. Sure looks like things are going all right.
2: Yeah, the, the fans might be skeptical, but the players, players still bought in.
1: Yeah,
2: took baby girl, to the mall.
1: <laughs> Go shopping, baby. <laughs> Get you some shoes.
3: <laughs> um, what else is uh is standing out from the day? Scott Butch Frost. Jones. Oh Butch. Oh yeah, yeah I got to talk Butch. Butch Jones to Arkansas State. Things move quickly. Blake Anderson hired at Utah State. He's gonna be the uh, the new coach of the Aggies. I kind of look at that one as just looking for a fresh start. I mean, Blake Anderson's been through a lot in the last couple of years, and so I mean, if you if you want a fresh start in that Logan, Logan, Utah,
1: mm-hmm. yeah, that's that's a fresh start. Feels like that was like orchestrated. Like everybody just sort of got on a group call, like a Zoom call or something, and was like, "Hey, uh, Butch." Blake's trying to get out of here. Utah State, like, you guys got a spot for him. Butch, come on over here. Like, he got it all done in, like, 48 hours, it seemed like. Um, So, I think that's the right spot for Butch Jones. I think that's the perfect spot. You know? Like, it's just sort of – I think he'll be good there. I think he'll – I think the thing – like, I think Butch Jones is probably a pretty good head coach. I think the pressure of Tennessee was not a good fit for him – Cause he is kind of a red face guy. Like he's <laughs> a little bit high stress. So I think, I just think that the, the microscope in Knoxville uh, kind of beat him down a little bit, but I bet you he'll do a good job at Arkansas state.
2: Yeah, no, I think it's good. I think it's a good place for him. I think it's a good hire for Arkansas state. Yeah. I think Utah state could be good for Blake Anderson. I think this is one of those times everybody wins.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I'm with you. Blake Anderson. Kane Kane Womack to South Alabama, too, by the way. Indiana Indiana defensive coordinator. coordinator.
3: I think that's more loss to Indiana than I think gain of South Alabama. But that's me being admittedly, especially in this moment, ignorant to the details of South Alabama. I do not have them pulled up or on the top of my mind.
2: Well, he did. He was there for a couple of years as defensive coordinator and he turned it around pretty quickly. Like their defense still wasn't elite, but like in his first year. I think he took about 10 points per game off the average total, improved it again the next year. So he's familiar with, you know, he's familiar with the school. He was there for a few years and we've seen it in Indiana. Done a pretty good job with that defense. So I think that, I think that we know what the identity is going to be with that team going forward. And I think that that considering what I know of South Alabama and what I've seen of South Alabama and what little I do know about it, I feel like at least now I know what direction that program is trying to go, which is probably a good thing.
3: Go defense heavy.
2: Yeah. And a young 33 year old up and coming kind of, you know, coach it's going to be, it bring it's bringing in energy. It's bringing an identity to the program.
3: Coastal Carolina had kind of a bananas finish uh, against Troy. That was a good win. Grayson McCall like backs against the wall, about a minute, 20 or so remaining. Uh, All of a sudden gets them out to midfield. They end up getting that game winning touchdown. They stay undefeated. Remember Cincinnati and Tulsa this week's game was canceled next week's game for the American Athletic Conference Championship game still on set to be hosted by Cincinnati. Colorado probably turned into a pumpkin against Utah, right?
2: yeah, but we kind of saw that coming. wasn't like they were winning that game too for most of it, and then it was just Utah happened,
1: yeah. If this was a full full season, I think Utah'd be a team to be worried about. I think they'd they'd start to get they start to get in a little bit of a rhythm, <clears throat> start to figure out who they are, and they would not be a team you'd want to play come bowl season. But uh, it's not.
3: I was so wrong about Baylor against Oklahoma State. That one, uh, look, I can blame the COVID list because when we have like forty seven players yeah. and coaches. There's something ridiculous like that unavailable for the game. But at the same time, I was fading Oklahoma State and Oklahoma State, even with Chuba Hubbard opting out for the rest of the season, I did not seem to be playing any games.
2: I was Uh, wrong. Ask your guys' opinion on this because I watched Northwestern just completely run all over Illinois. Iowa, for the most part, dominated Wisconsin in that game. And I tweeted about this today and I got some pushback mostly from people in purple. So, Barton, since you're basically Willie the Wildcat, I figure I'll ask you too. I think that Northwestern obviously is winning the division. It's playing Ohio State for the conference title next week. I think Iowa's the best team in the Big Ten West.
1: Yeah, I think... I agree. I think that's who, you know, you pick on a neutral site right now. Um, But... Northwestern's never going to win any beauty contests. Mm-hmm. That's not that uh, they. You know, our eyes have been wrong on Northwestern before, so I'm not going to. They've earned it. They get to go. Yes, I think my good ass eyes would tell me that Iowa <laughs> is the better team, but Northwestern wins ugly. You can't. It doesn't always make sense. So I'll I'll grant them that. So we get
3: uh, Ohio State, Northwestern, I think 20 and a half is the spread. Who's going to dance with the Wildcats?
2: I, I feel so super confident that Northwestern is going to cover that spread while never really threatening to win the game. <laughs>
3: I was gonna just take the under to be able to exist in that same space without actually having to sweat out the twenty and a half because it just seems like a bad number. But if you think Northwestern's gonna cover the spread, it's because you think the defense is gonna limit Justin Fields.
1: I'm sure it's they're... hard to sure it's hard to figure out what that looks like for them to cover.
2: Yeah, it's just that but that's the thing. Like it's like you just said, it's never pretty with this team, but they they find a way just to get it done somehow. And it's like, I just, I've already got that game played out in my head where it's going to be like for three quarters, it's just going to be like a 14 point game the entire way. Ohio state's going to have chance after chance to put it away and pull away. It's going to be kind of like the Indiana game, except it won't be because Indiana's making plays. It'll just be Ohio state's not making plays and they'll be there in the end. And they'll, they'll never really threaten to win, but they're never going to get pushed away either.
3: See, I'm worried it's going to be like, uh, those Ohio State Wisconsin Big 10 title games where Wisconsin might even be up, you know, or I guess in this case Northwestern, Northwestern might even get up 10 nothing or something. And then finally Ohio State just hits the gas and is able to win the game by 14 points, but it's an unspectacular 14 points.
2: Just I want to point out Northwestern today rushed for 411 yards. <laughs> wow. <laughs> they only threw the ball 12 times. Peyton Ramsey, 7-12, 82 yards, one touchdown. Evan Hull, 13 carries, 149 yards and a touchdown. Cam Porter, 24 carries, 142 yards and two touchdowns. No quarterback. Three quarterbacks played in this game. None of them threw for more than 86 yards. (laughs) Northwestern
1: can really deliver on the box scores. They, They they
2: They can absolutely
1: give you a doozy.
3: Yeah, I said Northwestern found something that worked offensively against Illinois and stuck to it for a heavy dose of the ground game.
1: So Nebraska's just going to continue to be just below average.
2: Yep. Seems that that is one of the more mind-boggling results. I mean, like Minnesota, I know I've talked about it here, like the teams with the time off are, tend to play well. It's just usually when the team gets back It has more players than when it left. (laughs) You know what I mean? And Minnesota was in that same kind of position we talked about with Baylor against Oklahoma State where, again, they're missing most of their offensive line. They're missing a ton of people. And then they're beating Nebraska in Lincoln. If you're a Nebraska fan right now, like what the hell do you do? That'd be a tough place to be.
3: As a coach?
2: No, as as a
1: fan. Because... You thought you had the, you, you 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 can't you can't you can't just like sell all your Scott Frost stock. He's one of your own. You can't turn your back on him. But it just doesn't feel like this is going to turn.
4: Mm.
1: Feels like if he was the if it might turn in a in kind of a lukewarm way, and maybe it turns and they get to the, you know they start busting out seven and five seasons or something, but. I don't wouldn't you know three years in? Like, wouldn't you just know if this was going to be great? Yeah. Um, and that's it, so there's, there's nothing to cling to. Mm-hmm. And this is coming from a this is, I was, the, I was as, I was as, as, um, as big of a Scott Frost stan as there was. Um, so it pains me, it hurts. <laughs>
3: everybody hurts <laughs> sometimes um the nebraska like relationship is so stuck no one's happy like scott frost isn't even happy right now he wishes things were going better
2: i again i i look at that entire situation and I look for the ray of light and I look for the thing that you can point to and say, okay, there's a reason to be optimistic. I I don't see it. Doesn't mean there can't be a turnaround. It doesn't mean things can't improve. It's just right now there's absolutely nothing there to look at to say like, all right, that gives me a reason for hope tomorrow.
3: Quote of the week from a losing coach.
2: You know, and, and, If you'd like,
1: I could proofread some of your articles and see whether you're on a a steady upswing as well. I minored in English, so I'd be happy to do it if you have any material you'd like to send me, and I can go ahead and evaluate it and see if you're on an upward trend.
2: would love to do that. Uh, I might be getting a little stale. Maybe you can help me out. Okay, I look forward to seeing your articles.
3: That was, by the way, uh, an answer for the Clarion Ledger, the premier paper reporting on Mississippi State. Uh, Tyler Horka says, I questioned Mike Leach if he feels like his offenses took a step back tonight. He did not seem to think so. And that's why he said upward trajectory. Uh, he is now going to judge Tyler's articles on the same schedule that his offense is being judged by Tyler guys.
1: That's, that's so fun. <laughs> He's so fun. quirky.
3: He's so, <laughs> oh, don't we love the Mike Leach
1: quotes? <laughs> oh man, his press conference, his introductory press conference was so full of laughs. <laughs>,
3: <laughs>, <laughs> Nothing's better than when Mike Leach gives wedding advice. <laughs>
2: still not the worst press conference i think we saw tonight so
3: <laughs> that's true would that be dan mullen
2: yeah yeah some good ones out there it's that time of year man oh it's angry no. t- angry tired done with this crap coaches oh, right
3: now. <laughs> how, how about Pitt and boston college already
2: yeah
1: starting the can- train yeah, I can't- saying it, just explain it for those that, that hadn't followed
2: uh both have already opted out of a bowl game they've basically said no we're not going to go and it's not like it's a coach's decision it was the players it was the team's decision and i don't think they're going to be the last and i feel like you know we kind of talked about this all before the season started we're going to see teams get to the end of this year and they're just gonna be like okay no we've we've had enough 15 more 15 more practices no no. Like like Boston College. Christmas. I want to go home.
3: Boston College had like no COVID in that program. And they've yeah, been isolated from their family since June. Mm-hmm. They didn't they go, home. go home. They, ne- they didn't go home on bye weeks. Like they made all these team decisions about ways to be able to keep uh the numbers down and be able to keep things moving forward within the program. And now they're done with the regular season. They're like, nah, I'm good. Like I don't. And I cannot argue against that.
1: Nope. Yeah. Apparently the locker room exploded with joy when they announced the cancellation of the bowl game <laughs> <laughs> that they they would passed the bowl game.
2: I mean, it's, it's like your teacher. Boston coming college gets screwed. Also, saying last day of school, <laughs>
3: listen, Boston college, because it is a smaller school and doesn't have this big alumni base, like Virginia tech gets picked for better bowl games than Boston college even if Virginia tech has a worse record, at least within the like bowl picking rules, just because Virginia tech has this massive fan base that will go to a bowl game and Boston college just doesn't not compared to Virginia tech. And so man, if you played in a lot of Boston college bowl games, I could understand how you're like, Hmm,
2: no thanks. But see, that's the thing this year. Cause like how many people are traveling to bowl games this year?
3: Well, at that point, then you're just going for national brand. Like, that's what would get Penn State in a bowl game. But that, but my point, like,
2: we've seen a lot of games cancel. And now we're seeing teams saying thanks, but no thanks, which I think is going to lead to more games canceling because I don't know how many teams you're gonna want to be playing in any of these games anyway. But like the Idaho Potato Bowl is playing, and I'm sitting there like, Okay, cool. I'm gonna watch it. I'm happy that they're going. If any teams want to go play in it, good for them. But like who's traveling to Boise this, this winter to watch a bowl game?
3: Well, even in the playoffs. Well, That's what I'm saying. Like in the playoffs, I, I don't think that we're gonna have the normal like five day residency. I think it's only gonna be a couple days. Like
2: No, it'll probably be a couple of weeks. We gotta we gotta, you know, quarantine. Make sure the games get played, Chip.
3: I I'm speaking uh A little bit recklessly, but if I were to guess and make an informed guess, I think they're going to do more of the, like, in and out mentality. True. but Like, we're going to keep it tight. We're going to show up. We're going to play the game. And if there are any positives, whatever, the game already got played. Sorry. (laughs) Whoops.
2: (laughs) (laughs) That's another thing, too, to think about, like, for the Big Ten right now with the way the schedule has worked. If you test positive for COVID in the next day, you can't play in the semifinals just letting any Buckeye that's listening understand that. Yeah. Just
3: cause you got this week off doesn't mean that, uh, you can let it fly. Cause things get very dicey in the, in the near future. Okay. We haven't mentioned Alabama, the 52 to three winners against Arkansas. Our question on CBS sports HQ was, did Mac Jones ruin his Heisman chances? <sighs>
1: What, what did what did Matt what did Mac Jones do so so wrong? He their only, only win 56 to
3: three. His yards per attempt don't look good. He was twenty four for twenty nine for two hundred nine yards, like or two hundred eight. Well, it's less than three
1: hundred.
3: Uh, I I don't think so.
1: Like I will say, he, he Devontae Smith punt return got a, touchdown got a touchdown that didn't have Mac Jones attached to it. He got a solo touchdown on the punt return. So I think the Devontae Smith train continues to chug along. But at the
2: same time, he only had three catches for 22 yards. Yeah, but he got his. He got his, he I, know, got his I know, but I'm just saying, Like, I feel like the good news for both Devontae and Mac Jones is that Kyle Trask lost.
3: With two interceptions.
2: Mm-hmm. So I feel like nobody really pulled away or lost ground today in the Heisman race. Although I did see a lot of people say, see Clemson should have played. Trevor Lawrence could have reaffirmed his case. I I don't think Trevor Lawrence could get back in the Heisman race at this point, unless he threw for like 80 touchdowns. I just want to be clear right now.
3: Now Clemson fans would rather continue to be jilted so they can be upset about the Heisman thing. There's a deep history of Clemson feeling like they're getting personally slighted and Deshaun Watson Two-time finalist, zero-time winner is a big part of that uh, feeling.
2: As somebody who voted for Lamar Jackson and had Deshaun Watson second, believe me, I am well aware of how Clemson fans feel about being jilted for the Heisman. Did you publish that? Yeah, because I publish my ballot every year. Are
1: you going to publish yeah. it this year? You're going you're to be held to task this year, Tom.
2: Yeah, I'll publish it this year Just if so they want know. it. It's not up to me. So, I'll write a- it.
1: There's a right answer and there's a wrong answer. See, just, just hope you got the right. Just you're on the right side of history here.
2: <laughs> the lesson, though, is like I'll, I, I write up my ballot, I write up my reasoning, and I, I feel like whether you agree or disagree with me, at least I'm explaining it. And yet, the person who doesn't tell anybody whatever any, any thought process behind their vote doesn't get yelled at. But me being dumb enough to let people know why I did, I, I get yelled at.
1: That's <laughs> how you know you're good. <laughs> More people are yelling at you. You're good yeah. at your job.
2: Yeah, that's how it
1: works.
3: Well, I'm glad that you're gonna do it so that I don't have to. <laughs>
2: <laughs> oh yeah, does, does the podcast know this yet? I don't think so. Yeah, Chip's a Heisman voter now. This Partners will be my first year.
1: Yeah. him. Oh man, I've so kind I'm of been the non. Is, is Canella Heisman voter? I think so. I don't, I don't know. know. Oh my god. So the the champion of Devonte Smith is the only person on the pod, and we're all about
3: to is, vote for Devonte Smith. <laughs>
1: all right, good. At least I can continue to lobby, assert
2: my influence as a lobbyist. I do not know who I'm voting for. You.
3: I do not know who I'm voting for. I've not made any decisions.
2: And I know some people who've already decided who they're voting for, and that just makes me angry. I've decided. It's that I would <laughs> hypothetically vote for.
3: Um, we'll see. The ballot supposedly might show up in my inbox. Is my well my congratulations,
1: year. Chip. What you do? Did you, did, you uh, did did you have some feat of strength? Did you have some <laughs> sort of interview process? Did you? <laughs> he, he Zoom interview
3: <laughs> I I, to, I told Tom. I think it came after. Uh, I did the. Sympathy for the Heisman Voter spiel here on the Cover Three Podcast where I was like, I understand, man. You've been covering your beat. You've been doing all these interviews. You can't watch. I understand you can't make those decisions.
1: But let us who do watch all the games have a voice. So did you just did like someone in a cloak like come to your house and like like tap you and like blindfold you and take you out into No they first told
3: they first told me to meet at Silent Sam at midnight and then (sighs) it's elbow
2: bumps only now there's a pandemic. When
3: (laughs) the third bell rang, somebody in a cloak came out from behind a tree and gave me more (laughs) instructions for the rest of the night. And I can't speak about what happened after that. (laughs)
2: You know, it's funny because you're making jokes, but that actually is how the voting process works. <laughs> you're going to have a lot of hooded cloaks coming at you, telling you to do this, go here, drop this off there, enter this code, say this password. It's, it is wild.
1: I don't even want to know. You guys, y'all are sellouts, corporate, <laughs> big wig, fat cats. I'm just, I'm just, I'm a guy on a, I'm just a guy on a podcast. <laughs> He See, is. They, they won't give you a vote
2: because you've already told everybody who you're voting for. Right. That's a, that's a good way to Never get a vote. Just talk about voting. Uh,
3: um, he is Barton Simmons. He's just a guy on a podcast. You can follow him on Twitter at Barton Simmons. He is Tom Fernelli. He's a Heisman voter. You can follow him at okay. Tom Fernelli. You can follow me at Chip underscore Patterson. Gentlemen, thank you very much. Thank you.